Hello and welcome to The Bo Show. I'm your host, Bo Braden. Today's guest is Shannon Rainey, a junior on the Montana State University Billings women's basketball team, a health and human performance major with a political science minor looking to go to law school. But labels aside, Shannon is an awesome human being and a dear, dear friend of mine, and I cannot wait for you guys to meet her. How's it going? What's up, Bo? It's going well. It's so great to see you, man. It's so, so great to see you. So Shannon and I met uh, my first, I mean, I guess I only had one semester at Montana, but when I first got there, I went to a Mountain Bowls, the, the smoothie bowl place, and I, I ordered this bowl and Shannon uh, was working up there and I think we got got connected through a couple of mutual friends later that summer. Um, and Shannon's a stud. Like I, um, I didn't really know you that well. It was just the one time hanging out. And then you saw me post about that internship I had with Yogi Roth and Ashley Adamson, which we'll talk a little bit more about later. And, and you saw that. And I didn't know that that was one of your passions, which I totally would have invited you to, but you, you took that on yourself to be like, well, this is something I want and I want to do and sought it out and talked with them and and did the old Bo invited me, which I loved and thought was super sick and and got in and our our relationship grew from there. Jen, I I think you're an amazing person and super sick and a profound thinker. I would love for you to tell me a little bit about your background um, and that amazing essay that you shared with the group. Yeah, man. Thanks, Bo. I mean, when I saw you at Mountain Variables, I, I did think, I was like, damn, this is a guy who like I want to be friends with. Like the vibe that you put off just in that one meeting, I was like, look at his flow. Number one, you had this, <laughs> the sickest hair. The flow was insane. And then I was like, I want to be friends with this guy. And then the, the fact that you, uh, that we met up like a few weeks later, I was like, this is, this is pretty cool. But, um, yeah, thanks for having me. My name is Shannon. I go to I play basketball at Montana State University in Billings. It's like a smaller Division two program here in Montana. Um, I grew up in Libby, which is a crazy small town in northwest Montana. I'm like an hour from Canada, 40 minutes from Idaho. And uh, I grew up, I'm the youngest of three. I have two older brothers. And I just, I think I grew up in a very welcoming open-minded family in the middle of a town that's like epitomizes small town America so I grew up with a lot of questions I think and that's really what drove me to just like question who I am and where I could go um the, the internship with Yogi and Ashley man that like was just a big catalyst for me um and so so grateful for that connection my freshman year of college, my 
no, no, my sophomore year of college, my honors professor, he gives us a, uh, a like an essay every year, not for a grade or anything, just something to get done. And it's supposed to be reflective and, and a tool that we could use in later in life, maybe say come to a job interview or something. And this year he told us, he was like, I want you guys to analyze your strengths and weaknesses. And I want you guys to think about things you want to change in your life this year and things that might change whether you want them to or not. And he gave us this beginning of September and he said, Hey, I'll like, I'd like this back within like two weeks, but no hard deadline or anything. I spent that next two weeks just freaking out. I was like, I got to write this essay. I don't know what I'm going to write it on. But at the same time, because it wasn't a grade and there was no hard deadline, I was like, it's okay though. I'm just going to keep putting off. I put it off until end of November, but like I did it. I did. I couldn't do it. I couldn't write it. And um, I was going to like therapy twice a week there um, just for some, what I thought was unrelated things, just some like eating disorders and uh, anxiety around anxiety specifically around like eating and as a female athlete that's all all too common but um as I was going and visiting the sweet old lady named Vicky twice a week we didn't really talk about my eating disorder much all we talked about was this essay and I mean I think that she probably thought like what is this girl doing she's just got to write about anything and everything um and when I talked to my parents about it I talked to my mom about it a lot and she's just like, you know, she like write about, I tore my ACL in high school. She said, just like write about your experience with that. Or when I was in high school, my best friend was diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer, write about that, you know, like what the, what I went through then. But I just knew that something like I needed to write about something bigger. And I think I was pretty scared about it. And I know I was scared too. And um, I, one night I just sat down and I said, you know what, I'm just going to put my like real thoughts out there. It was like the first time that I was real with myself. And I think you can think a lot of things in your head, but once you put it down on paper, it's really out there. It's really there. It makes it real. And that's what's scary. Uh, so one night in the matter of like an hour, I just poured my thoughts about vulnerability, about courage, about labels specifically onto this piece of paper that I, once I got done with it, wow, like this is my story. And I felt so good about it, but like I, I felt like a huge weight was lifted off my chest. I talked about how growing up I had a lot of anxiety or I, growing up, I just like filled my time, you know, filled my time in high school through sports mostly. Um, and when I tore my ACL my junior year, I had to put all that on hold and I realized, wow, like I, there's a lot of questions and a lot of ideas that I've put to the side and buried deep down because I always wanted to stay busy. And uh, during that time, there were a lot of questions that came up that I didn't know what the answers were to. I didn't know who I was or if I wanted, if I was really, was I playing sports because I enjoyed them or was I wanting to go to play sports at the next level because I enjoyed it or because that's what I was supposed to do. And it's what kept my mind busy. But once I settled down, um, I realized maybe I have some figuring out to do. And um, that summer I went to San Francisco. Uh, I went to a youth, like it was a leadership camp through a group called Seeds. And if anyone is, if anyone has an opportunity to like get with Seeds training, they bring out the best. And I was in a room full of a hundred, 
high school students, like freshmen in high school to freshmen in college um, from all over the country. And for four days, I realized I left like this small town uh, where I grew up and got to realize like, wow, there's people out there from all sorts of backgrounds who would love me no matter what, no matter, they, they didn't care who I was. They, you know, and I think I felt like some freedom there. I came back, mm-hmm. uh, back to Libby. And that's when I decided that, Hey, I think it's going to be okay. If I decide to strip this label of, I decided to strip like this label from my sexuality that I was straight. And I'll, even though like, even though it's such a small thing, like sexuality, I feel like just like one small brick in like the whole person that I am. Um, when I strip, when I said like, when I gave myself the permission that it was okay to like not be straight. I didn't know, I didn't know if I wanted to, I didn't know how I wanted to identify. I kind of just wanted to identify as myself as like who I was. And oh, that I realized that that label that was put on me through like our society, just the norms of our society and growing up, I felt, I realized that label was so restrictive. Mm-hmm. And um, once I got rid of it, it gave me freedom to branch out and like just be myself on so many different levels. And I didn't share that with many people at all that year, that senior year of high school. Um, I didn't even, when I wrote this, when I wrote about this my sophomore year, I didn't share it with many people. Uh, I mean, I really just shared that essay I wrote with the whole world about a month ago when I decided to put it on, put it on the gram. And that was about three, four years in the making of wanting to share my story. But the label of sexuality is like where it started. But then I realized that these labels, all labels are so restrictive because they put mm-hmm. you in a box, which in a box and like it's a box that has boundaries. And if you step outside those boundaries, uh, it's like creates tension, creates this like really unwanted tension because rules were rules were broken. And uh, that's like the biggest thing I've learned is I want to get rid of those rules and get rid of those rules around that tension. So. I wrote it all on a piece of paper, kept it really close to me and didn't share it with that many people until about a month ago. I just realized that brought me so much freedom and empathy towards myself. And I would never have been able to do that or get to that point if I hadn't read and listened to the stories of so many other people. And I said, like, who was I, right? Like, who was I to use and be gifted from so many different people but not share my own story to help someone else but that's that's the basis of who i am there but i'm someone who like just wants to get rid of labels i want to like keep pushing the power of being vulnerable with people and seeing where that vulnerability gets us man just just getting right into it i love it what you said about empathy towards yourself is so huge and something that we never think about. No one is is harder on you than you. When you think about a label and who you are is your identity, I'm, I'm sure that you were, I mean, I mean, reading that essay, I, I saw a lot of myself in that looking at, well, my whole life, I've been given the skills to be an athlete and uh, a frame to do that. And everybody tells me that I should go do this. So that's what I'm going to do. But 
who am I when that's taken away? My freshman right. year of college, I I came into school really excited about playing Division One football, a lifelong dream. And I come in with an amazing girlfriend and then I get dumped and I tear my meniscus. And in like a couple double, of weeks... Double, double there, right there. Like mm-hmm, boom, boom. Right, right away, in a couple of weeks, my whole identity's taken away. And... Right. You know, I know really well who Bo Braden is as a football player. I know really well who Bo Braden is as a boyfriend. But who am I when that's taken away? And getting in with my my counselor, she she kept saying, you need to take time for yourself and do things that you enjoy. And I said, well, shit, do things that I enjoy. I don't even know what I like anymore because my right. whole life has been these two things. And, and that's where a lot of that being hard on myself when I would never talk to anyone like how I talk to me. Right. So, and I was, I, I was, I was listening to, I was with a community the other night, like over a zoom called the hidden opponent. And they're, they're just like big on student athlete mental health. And we were talking about positive self-talk. And one thing that struck me was we were, we talked about the fact that no, you don't have more conversations with anyone else in the world than you do with yourself. Like there's no way that you talk with anyone else as much as you talk with yourself. Wow. So like what you say to yourself is the most important dialogue that you have with anyone else. Like I'm so grateful for the dialogue you and I have together mm-hmm. and for the dialogue that I have with so many mentors in my life. But if I don't continue that type of dialogue into my own head, I'm not going to get where I want to be. No progress. Even though you made. bring you bring so much light into my life, but I don't get to talk with you as much as I talk with myself. Mm-hmm. And I need to like continue that to get to a like a positive place where I'm not being so hard on myself, where I'm giving myself that grace. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I, I never thought about that. You'll never have more conversations with anyone outside of yourself. Holy shit. That's huge. Yeah, it's I, big. It's big. And and I, I love how you worded this, the power of vulnerability. Would you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. I'm going to give a shout out right now to Brene Brown and Glenn Doyle. If you haven't looked into them, oh man, you would you would love Brene Brown. She's all about vulnerability and just listening and reading from her a lot about how the reason we're on this, like, I, I believe... I don't want to get too deep here, but I believe that the reason we're on this planet. Hey, hey, no, we do want to get too deep. (laughs) All right, let's get too deep here. I believe that like the sole reason you and I are on this planet isn't to play basketball, isn't to play football. Those are just avenues or like vehicles to build connections with other people. Like there's no, there's not a drink, a food, activity or anything that can give you the type of experience that I get or like that, that can give me the type of experience I get from building connections with other people, but those connections that are meaningful, those connections that leave such a lasting impact on your life come from conversations and experiences with someone when they're being their true selves. And I think like being your true self requires so much risk because you could be judged. It requires like a leap of faith because you don't know what, how the other person is going to react. But when you're vulnerable with someone, that means that you're, you're giving them your true self. You're taking that risk. You're taking that leap of faith. And I don't think that 
we can get to the type of connection that we want to get to without me being vulnerable to you and then you being vulnerable back to me. And I think it's so funny because we get so scared to be vulnerable with one another. But when someone else is vulnerable with me, like first, or if someone else is vulnerable, like that's, I crave that, right? I want, I want to hear your story. I want to hear your struggles. I want to hear what makes you like smile from ear to ear. I want to hear all of that. And so when someone's vulnerable with you, we don't, we look at it as like a gift, but when we reach out or we're, we're attempting to be vulnerable with someone else, we get scared. Like, what if we, what if we could remember every time, Hey, I don't like, if like put yourself in the other person's shoes, I, I want you to be vulnerable with me. So why don't I be vulnerable with you? And I just think like, there's so much, like all the divide and all the disconnect that we have in our world right now could be eased with just vulnerability. And I thought like, we saw that in that internship we did with Yogi and Ash, right? There were how many of us on that call a night you think like it started with about nine athletes? and like finished somewhere... with about 20 something like that yeah i mean we would sometimes have a zoom call with like 20 20 to 25 people on right mm-hmm. from all over with various connections some didn't know each other but the type of family that we created there it, i believe it was a family like oh, i felt yeah. that's to to my core that that's like a family mm-hmm. and that was created solely based on the fact that we had experiences and conversations with each other where we were vulnerable. And that was the same thing, like back to that experience I had in San Francisco. I was in this room with a hundred high school students from all over the country, so many different walks of life, but we would sit down and talk about what our fears were. We sat down and talked about like, I stood up in a room and told these hundred high school students that I'd never met in my life that I wanted to cut my hair but I was too scared to. I I'd never really said that out loud, but I wanted to cut my hair, but I was scared of what the feedback would be. I had like everyone else in this room stand up and be like, no, like you cut your hair. Like you, if you want to do that, you do that for yourself. That would be sick. You know, like I had so many people come up to me and be like, wow, that'd be so cool. And I'd say that now. And it sounds so like trivial. Like I told someone I wanted to cut my hair, like whatever. But in that moment, like, I was being extremely vulnerable with them and the feedback that I got strengthened me so much. And by the, we were only together like four days, but we talked about our fears. We talked about our deepest desires and our wants and like what, what we were passionate about. And I think those type of uh, like conversations require risk and vulnerability, but the reward that we get from that, that type of family, it's unbeatable, oh absolutely gosh, unbeatable. Yeah. And I think in, in so many environments, whether you're with your team, like I see this with my team, uh, being a leader, that's what Brene Brown talks about a lot, is how leaders must be vulnerable. Whether you're leading a team, leading like a company, you're, uh, you're like the CEO of like some, some, some even like tech company, right? You're going to get the most from your employees. You're going to get the most from those working around you and for you. If you create an environment where it's okay to be vulnerable, it's okay to take risks. It's okay to mess up. Like, and I think like the opposite of, of an environment where there's vulnerability would be an environment where you're like reprimanded for messing up because no one first like made the first iPhone from the first try and said, all right, this is, this is what it is. And this is going to be perfect. It's going to be great. Like, no, like an iPhone or any kind of thing, whatever it is started with something, someone messed up, 
but then it was okay that they messed up and that just like gave them fuel to move on and make it build something better. And they messed up again, maybe they didn't get it right that next time, but in that environment, it's okay to fail and it's okay to bring forth ideas that may or may not work, but that's the only way you're going to get the ideas or the final product that does work. And I think in a team environment, especially right now in this kind of environment, sports all over the place or create or have so much adversity. If you don't have an environment that's free for vulnerability, you're going to have create an environment that just has a lot of walls. I think an environment where you can't build those connections that are ultimately going to help someone that's struggling, right? If you have a wall between you and a teammate, you're, you're, it's going to be really hard to break down that wall to help them up and help them from their struggle. Then if you reach out, you're vulnerable with, with them, you build a connection that's something like family. I think they'll be more eager to reach out to you. You're going to be able to help them more. And ultimately, like I said, I just want to build that connection to be someone's like go-to. And in turn, in turn, I know that they're, they'd be a resource for me. I think my, my biggest takeaway from that was the levels of connection and how vulnerability is such a, a powerful tool in that, you know, looking back at um, my, my junior year of high school, my, my best friend uh, two weeks before graduation drowned in the lake and he was someone I was side by side with working out every day, training, hanging out, pushing towards that goal of playing college football. And when we lost Hunter, I thought about how many conversations I missed out on being afraid of that vulnerability. And when I came into the locker room that first spring practice right after Hunter passed. It was so quiet. And when you have a group of athletes, men especially, I think there's such a big fear with being able to cry in front of someone and be vulnerable and have those conversations. And I think that that moment for me, and I don't know what you, you believe, but one of my uh, good friends, Sophia Lindsay, when Hunter passed said, um, sometimes God takes away what he wants to see more of in a community and looking at the qualities that Hunter possessed as a man and how he cared for everyone. Hearing that, I knew in that moment, that was when I had to step up as a leader, not as the example of how we lift and train and do those kind of things, but how to communicate with each other and be with my guys and say, look, we're all going through this right now, and it hurts. And if we can't, hurt together and, and say that we're going through these things, we're not going to heal first of all. And this team isn't going to be one you're, you're going to want to be a part of. And through that 
loss, that team who had all the, the stupid high school beef of, oh, you're dating my ex-girlfriend and all that bullshit and drama. Uh, Everything yeah. went away. And it was just a brotherhood through being able to be vulnerable and talk about what's happening and going on and having the tough conversations. And through that, that's what made a great team that all loved each other. That level of connection is so huge. And the power of vulnerability is something that's not talked about enough, especially among athletes where you feel like you have to be that alpha strong figure and set that example what if that example is saying it's okay to feel these things for sure man thanks for sharing that with me Bo I think I think you and Cooper I think you and Cooper hit it on the head last week when you guys said everyone needs to find like a brother who you can cry in front of right Mm -hmm. I think you I think you found that in your high school team and after the passing of Hunter, I think your guys' team could have gone so many different ways, right? Like you could have, your team could have been closed off and just upset and angry, but instead you guys decided to like find strength with each other and within each other and from each other. And I think that like goes back to like football, basketball, sports are just such an ultimate tool to build human connection and build those types of relationships with each other. Um, I can totally relate to that in the fact that, I mean, I, I play, I play basketball at MSUB. um, But like from an individual standpoint, I more just, there's a lot of girls on my team who have a lot more talent than I do. And I just more along fell in love with the process, but like playing time wise or anything like that. I I'm out there fighting for it every day. And, but luckily I get to, I get to be a captain of this team and just build relationships with my teammates. And whether, whether I play 40 minutes a night or two minutes a night, whether I score 30 points or I go in foul four times or something like that, score zero points and I'm out those relationships, they never leave, man. They never leave. And, um, I look back on just the three different that I think it's really interesting in college, how you have like a different team, a different family every year. Right. Like mm-hmm. I think um, Brenna, I think Brenna, Brenna Maxwell shared with us one night how this might be the last time you share the locker room with this family, right? The last time that you sit down when you have a team and you're, it's, it's different every year, cherish every game, every team meal, because this family, the specific team is going to be different next year. And it's going to have a whole new dynamic. And looking back at the three different families that I've had at MSUB, I remember when we won, when we won fun games and stuff and we had tough losses. I do remember that I'm not going to act like I don't remember the wins and losses, but what I remember most and what I cherish most is those relationships that I built. That essay that I wrote, I shared with my, my teammates were some of the first people that I shared it with. And I'll never forget building that connection with them. And when it's funny, I think today right here was the first time that I've, shared that story with the essay without blatantly reading the essay because I think it's a lot easier for me to just read words on a paper mm-hmm. and feel like I have feel like I can just like speak it to you with, 
uh, without having to like hash it all out again. But sharing those words with my teammates are memories that like I'm going to remember for so long. Their encouragement, their love, their compassion, their empathy, their grace is what like drove me to continue to share with other people. And it all stems from having the courage and strength to be vulnerable with one another, just like on your team after Hunter's passing to be able to say, Hey, we're going to have to have these hard conversations and these tough conversations, but ultimately these conversations are what are going to create these connections with each other that are going to help us heal from this horrible, horrible event. But we have to heal somehow and we have to carry his memory on. Right. And like, I think that, we talked about it a while ago, just that you had a lot of inspiration, motivation to continue playing and continue being a better bow because of Hunter. Mm-hmm. And I think you got a lot of that strength from those connections that you made with the guys after having those hard conversations. Definitely. And thank you for sharing that with me. I, did, I didn't know that. So I feel very special right now that uh, you you felt like you could you could say that in front of me and and now whoever listens to this but that's that's huge <laughs> what what I think about uh, with what you just said is all we have is right now you know how do we attack this moment because one day you know all of this is just going to be a memory you know, if if I could go back I wish I could just be at one of those horrible 6am lifts again, talking shit with the strength staff and wiping the sleep out of my eyes. Like I, I, I miss those moments that you didn't necessarily love when you were in it. And so I think a big takeaway from right. What we're talking about now is how do you attack this moment? Yeah. And are you going to attack it with walls around you and trying to, make sure you act in a certain way that's acceptable maybe, or are you going to let your walls down and be vulnerable with the person next to you? And vulnerability doesn't have to be sharing some like deep, dark secret. It could just be being goofy, right? Like with your strength coach, that that's being vulnerable, you know, just being yourself is vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that. I love what you said. Just like being vulnerable in the now and those type of actions and interactions that you have with other people when you are your true self, I think those are the most powerful and that's, what's going to let you be the most in the now. Being yourself is vulnerable. I love that. Do you have any other closing statements that you'd like to share? Yeah. I'll actually just share this. Um, what Maya Angelou, she's one of my favorite authors, activists, mm. poets, ever her book i read when i read her book i know why cage bird sings i was like that was like my first introduction to the type of work that she did and her style of writing is just beautiful she has a quote that talks about she says that her mission in life is not merely to survive but to thrive and to do so with some passion some compassion some humor and some style and i was thinking about this quote today and i just thought how she says that her mission in in life is not merely to survive, but thrive. And I, that points to, we don't want to just go like to a nine to five job. And we don't want to just like, we're, I think we're meant for more than nine to five jobs and some like 
cyclical cycle of like routine after routine after routine. And we're meant to express our feelings, good and bad, highs and lows. We're, we're meant to share those feelings and thoughts without abandon to one another. And I think that she's just calling us all right there to be vulnerable, to be ourselves and to be present with one another at all times. And that's how you're going to thrive in our life and not just skate on by. I love that. Thank you so much for joining me. I definitely want to have you on again. And I also think that you just killed that and should start one of these yourself. Bo, you just, you were just uh, like the biggest catalyst in my story. So I think all the credit here is back to you. And I just want to thank you for having me and thank you. Thank you for doing this. Like not just, I know you're, you're doing this for yourself. You're doing this as like a challenge to yourself. And this is something you've wanted to do, which is huge props to you. But like, thank you for putting this out in the world and making and like blessing all of us with your storytelling, your questioning and like having this podcast out in the world, I know it is just elevating it all. So thank you. Thank you all so much for listening. That was Shannon Rainey. Shannon can be reached on Instagram at Shannon underscore Rainey, R-E-N-Y. And that amazing essay she wrote will be linked in the description. And another special thanks to Dylan Scott for making the theme music for The Bow Show, as well as Alex Rothschild, who made the cover art. Both of their social medias will be linked in the description as well. 